windows of opportunity mm-hmm. are opening and closing around you all the time. I've seen a lot of workshops. Yours was the very best. Thank you. I appreciate that. IRAP is oh not an entrepreneurial funding program. It is a funding program for bureaucrat salaries. The most important thing is to identify the need of the customer at the beginning or very soon. I love everything you say. I swear. It looks like I hired you, Bob. I, I did. Disclosure. I did not hire Bob. Bob is an independent person. Welcome back, everybody, to the Founders Corner. In today's episode, I have a very special guest for you. His name is Bob Seaman, and he is a mentor for multiple startups. He has a very interesting career path. He started as an electrical engineer to law, and now he uh, works with startups and mentors startups. And he's not one of those guys who you think has made a million dollar exit. He's just had a bunch of successes and is passing that knowledge on. Bob, welcome to the episode. How are you? I'm doing great. You forgot to mention, uh, Sapphire, that I've also had more failures than I've had successes. <laughs> you know, we, we let you guys say those things. We don't we don't typically point them out. But frankly, I think you learn more from those failures than you did from the successes. So that's a good thing for us at this channel. So welcome. We do embrace failure. We don't I, I've myself gone through it. Bob, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because you you have a very unique story. You, you know, electrical engineering, then went into law. We both have the same level of hatred towards Bitcoin. So, <laughs> so tell tell me tell me about your story. What what brought you where you are today? Well, I like technology, and uh, that's why I was an electrical engineer. And mm-hmm. I figured the next challenge would be law. Practiced law for a couple of years, but it it wasn't creative. And I no, I then went on to did my MBA and I started a couple of companies and I liked it because it's about creating value. It's about taking mm-hmm. risk. As a lawyer, it was all about looking after the downside. Right. And I, I love creating upside, creating value. And that's what entrepreneurs do best is they take risk and they create value because they're looking for the upside for themselves and for their investors. Yeah, totally fair. And, you know, you being a mentor itself, how did you get into that role? I mean, I get the electrical engineering. My my brother and my dad are both electrical engineers. Um, so I grew up with that whole world. You guys have a very interesting thought process in, in, in general. <laughs> but, and then you went the legal, which was boring, <laughs> understandable. So how did you get into the mentorship and startup world and, and things like that? Mm-hmm. It all started with my last failure. Uh, okay. My 10th company that failed was about 60 years ago. It was a pharmaceutical company okay. uh, from drug, drug discovery all the way through phase two initial uh, testing in human beings for um, uh, better drugs for schizophrenia. Right. And when it failed, uh, I figured, okay, great. I'll find another technology founder because I'm the business guy. And I, I generally, I find a technology founder who has a great uh, new idea, but needs to implement it. Right. Uh, but I had realized that the key thing, and this was the main thing I learned in my failures, the key thing is to find just the right personal fit, find somebody right. you trust and that personal. Fit. So in six years, uh, I wasn't able to find just that right person. I got a lot pickier given the failures and the mistakes. So that's kind of how I've evolved into consulting because the and mentoring the the companies I was meeting, they were good for me to advise and to coach and to help, uh, but weren't right for me to jump in. There just wasn't the right chemistry as far as partnerships. And that's right. the main thing I advise companies. And I do advise as a mentor, find that right uh, co-founder that right partnership those right employees right the best investors so that's actually a good point you mentioned is uh you know for you were saying 
you know, you've learned and you've gotten pickier with the founders. What have you found that were, you know, relatable to a, like, what, what, what is your checklist in your head? Like, what are you running through to see if the founder is someone you can work with? Or, you know, is there, is there kind of cues that you pick up on that you go, oh, that's going to be huge? Well, initially, I made uh, some serious mistakes. You, you have to look beyond your personal desire for it to work out and look beyond the fact that you might like the guy or uh, you right. go out to drinks with him, you're having a great time, uh, or you think you can make a lot of money. You've right. number one, the person has to be trustworthy. Uh, and there's so many other factors. Be able to have other people trust you. Okay. And especially if you're going into a business, you going into business with them, uh, they going into business with you, uh, hiring your first employees. I recommend that you have your close friends uh, interview and get to know uh, somebody you trust, get to know that person you're going into business with or you're going to hire uh, your husband or wife. And if you've got the money, I strongly recommend, and uh, I've done this for my uh, recent companies, is hire an industrial psychologist to oh, interview very interesting. a professional PhD psychologist. That's what they do is they vet people. You know, I, I, I got to say, my wife is very good at that. Um, she has, I've learned to listen to her and, and the reason for that is because she, she's usually right whenever she does that, where she's like, I don't think you should do that. And here's why. I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. We'll see what happens. No, it always happens the way she says. So she's, uh, she's uh, the wife one I like. <laughs> yeah. Personally, absolutely. personally makes sense to me. <laughs> totally. It's the same thing with me. Uh, I, yeah. I've made mistakes. And in hindsight, my wife has always been right. Now I listen to her. She meets all my business partners. And, and you know, uh, which makes funny. sense, uh, which makes sense because yeah. they know you. They know you best and they know who you've worked well with and who you haven't worked well with. So especially those, uh, those uh, you know, my wife, I'm blessed. Like uh, she's very like um, a supporting type uh, mm -hmm. person who just has my back and just constantly is like watching out for me. Um, while I'm just focused on, on, on the big picture. And so, um, mm -hmm. you know, for, for that, like they see things that you, you may see and ignore because you're looking I, at it like, you know, absolutely. And that's the same with my wife. Uh, she sees things, uh, from a different perspective, but she knows you, uh, she's an absolutely amazing person. I'm so lucky. Uh, but at the same time, and this doesn't just go with the wife, it, it'll also uh, go, go with other family members and friends, is that right. she's perfectly aligned financially with you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's important. <laughs> very, very good point. Yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> They're very financially in, in tune. That's right. That's right. And you mentioned listening uh, to your wife, your partner, your friends. That's the number two thing that I would advise entrepreneurs. Okay. You got to listen. You got to yeah. listen to people. Uh, so many people I'm mentoring, so many uh, people I, I can know right away. I mean, it, it, they don't have to follow my advice, but they at least have to listen to it. And, it, it, you know, if, even if, if you're paying for it, sure, you got to listen to it because you're paying for it. If you're not paying for it, well, yeah, it's free advice. Just listen to it. Uh, you yeah. may completely agree with it, but so many entrepreneurs think their way or the highway and they've got these blinkers on and advice number three is be prepared to change course yeah oh yeah oh that one is my favorite <laughs> they call explain, it pivot. explain that to me 
And the vast majority of companies that we've heard of that have been successful have become successful on a very different business model than what they originally started out. Slack, completely different company. Yeah. Uh, PayPal, completely different payment technology. Uh, and even Uber. Uh, Uber was just, uh, you know, hey, I want to order a taxi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's, I, well, I use, I use Uber on my thing all the time, so that definitely. Yeah, so like uh, you've got to listen and pivot. Uh, what I, But at the same time, when you're listening to different people, you're going to get all kinds of different advice, contradictory advice, inconsistent advice. Yeah. And when entrepreneurs say, well, what do I do, Bob? You're telling me something different than what the others have told me. My response is always the same. It's, that's why you can make the big bucks. You're the founder of the company. You can make hundreds of millions of dollars. You have to make the call. And I think that's the key differentiator, what you just said, is that you have to be able to... Look, information is good. Um, I personally, you know, you Bob, you and I are from Canada, right? We both know Canadian mentality. It's, it's very... Um, Actually, it's ironic. I was in Portland and they said they have the same problem where it's like everyone's too nice with you, right? They're, yes. they're not they're not harsh enough. They're not. Um, so you're like, I have this idea and they're like, wow, that's a great idea. That sounds great. Will you buy it? No, not a chance. That means nothing to me. And, and you're kind of like, you just said how that would help you and you're just telling me you wouldn't buy it. And they're like, yeah, I'm just being nice, man. Like, so I think listening is a key thing, but listening to the right people, understanding where they're coming from, and you're exactly right. You are the CEO. At the end of the day, it is your call. And I think a lot of times with what happens with founders is they're looking for the right answer. They're just looking, okay, what's the answer? Just help me out with the answer. Let's just move forward from there. And it's like, there is no right answer. There's a thousand paths. You just have to choose one and stick with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you talked about Canadian culture. I was just at the Collision Conference in Toronto weeks yeah. ago. There are people from all around the world. But there's this uh, Canadian, I was going around booth to booth uh, to meet the, uh, more uh, the entrepreneurs that were yeah. more interesting to me. And there was this one company. It had a blockchain solution for real estate. Right. And I listened to them, really interesting uh guys but when they told me what they were doing i said look uh, did you know that people have been trying this for five years and they've all failed and billions of dollars have gone into it and you guys have no money yeah. why do you think you're going to succeed when all these other guys have failed we're different they, they look at me <laughs> yeah I mean, so like i was very frank to them i was trying to be as yeah. polite to them as possible but i told that I didn't say it was going to fail. I was just saying, why do you think yours is going to succeed when the others have failed? So I was yeah. very direct to them because I felt that they needed to know the truth. Right. Too many Canadians are too polite. We need a, the, the next best thing to a yes that an entrepreneur wants to hear is a quick no. Yes. Whether that's from investors or customers being dragged out. Like that's a waste of time. We have to yes. move on. Just Americans no. are just more no. The Americans are very... Uh, I love I love that though about them is they're very honest. Um, they're not trying to be rude to you. They're just telling you how they feel. Yes. And frankly, right. they 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 wear their you know um, heart up their sleeve like they're they're just right there. Yes. And and I agree. a lot of the no's are like you're talking to them and they're like, yeah, guys, I don't think we're a fit for you guys. And it's like, thank you. Yes, perfect. I'm right. I'm happy with that. Right. Yeah. Whereas, and, and then 
Yeah, then Whereas, they, they might go the other step. You can you can ask them. These are informed people. You can say, you said no. Ask them why and yeah. what do we need to do to get to the next step? And okay, so it's not for you. Do you know maybe there might be for somebody else? And yeah. they know people That's and they right. can help. That's right. Uh, and, and look, there's some Canadians that can do it too. It's just Americans are more advanced on many of these things. Well, so I, I don't want to uh, you know, divert too much to Canadian versus the U.S., but what I'm curious, because I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Um, I have Milan. Uh, he's our product manager. Um, he said something, and it was just like, I've always wondered, and it was like bang on what he said. Mm. But why do you believe that Canadians are less likely to help you with their network mm -hmm. than the American people? Well, uh, I think the main reason is Canadians just have a smaller network. That's exactly what he said. He said, Canadians, there's less money to go around in Canada, which means yeah. you kind of have to keep that network closer to you. Whereas in the States, yes. they have such larger networks, so yes. much more money flow. And because yes. of that, it doesn't matter because they yep. know that if they've helped you, they can, yep. they can use the network continuously. But if they've helped you, they know that in the future, if you go to them, they'll, mm -hmm. you'll help them. Yep. And Canadians it's don't think like attitude. that. Oh That's my right. God, yes. It's a smaller uh, mindset. You that have is... to have the mindset of abundance. Oh my God. That's bang on. Bang on. So yeah. So what are your thoughts about that? Because I think that is the number one reason why Canada is still left behind or why Canada is still so conservative. Yeah. Uh, because Canada, especially its risk capital, uh, has been built on natural resources. In the history books, Canada is a <laughs> hewer of wood and drawer yeah. of water. Wood, so mining, risk... oil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, trees. Uh, so they it's come from the ground and stuff that comes from the ground is a zero sum game. That's right. You've got a fixed amount of oil in the That's ground. That's right. A fixed amount of trees. So the amount of of resources that uh, if one person gets more trees, another person gets less trees. It's That's it's right. not about growing the pie. Whereas technology companies doesn't matter if you own 100% of a tiny little pie. You what might matters, as well own 1% of the biggest pie. Exactly. What yeah. matters is the amount of pie you can eat. That's right. It's the, it's the volume of that 1% of the pie that okay. matters. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think a lot of Canadians have that issue where they cannot, they can't separate the two. And, and they end up, yeah. like even when founders, uh, like I love, like I love helping founders. Like you've seen mm -hmm. my workshop. It's oh, free. fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, you were, I, I've you, seen a lot of uh, workshops. Yours was the very best. Thank you. I appreciate that. And my thing is pay it forward, right? Like that's the whole point of that workshop. It's a free workshop. I go to the cities and I set the whole thing up. I'm, I'm paying for it. And my biggest thing is every founder should be there to help each other as much as possible. But they, yeah. it's, in the States, you see it all the time. Uh, Portland, anyone is there to help you. Seattle, Austin, mm -hmm. New York, like we've been everywhere and they're so quick to try to help you with, oh, this is what you're trying to do. Oh, you should talk to this guy. You should talk to that guy. And then in Canada, it's like, oh, cool, cool. You're doing that. Great. Oh, good luck with that. And it's like, we should be helping each other. I mean, again, I don't want to go too deep into the Canadian yeah. world of things, but but that yeah. that is my lar my biggest frustrations with the Canadian economy is yeah. it's very very uh, zero sum game. That's exactly yeah. it. And there's also an expectation in the states that the government will not 
help. So it's up to individuals That's and entrepreneurs right. to help oh each other. Yes. Uh, whereas in Canada, there's an expectation, well, the government is supposed to be the help, you know, yeah. it's granting programs, et cetera, et cetera, incubators. Uh, well, I mean, the exception to the general rule is I got involved as a mentor recently with the Rogers Cybersphere Catalyst. Right. And it's out of Toronto for cybersecurity companies. And it is the exception to the general rule in Canada uh, in that it's a commercially oriented um, uh, uh, incubator right. where it's free for all the companies. Yes, it's paid for in large part by tax dollars, but it's run like a business. It reports yeah. to the corporate partners, Rogers, Microsoft, RBC. So I, that's a time where government money has been spent in my view well but i vast majority of time government money has been spent on entrepreneurial activities in canada i believe has been a complete waste and and looking at we deal with startups all the time all the time and the amount of time the amount of effort and time they put into those grants you yes. literally might as well have gone and got an angel an angel yes. would help you grow it would expand your network and to be frank, fine, it's zero dilution funding, but my God, is it a lot of work? Is it worth the zero dilution? Yeah. Like, again, 100% of zero is zero. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, before I applied for IRAP grants, Industrial Research Assistance yep. Program, yep. For the Canadian uh, federal government, uh, people were telling me, Bob, don't do it. Don't do it. It's a distraction, et cetera. And then I, I hired some guy who said, don't worry, I can handle all that for you they always and, say that <laughs> so so he did and we we, uh, we did get uh, several hundred thousand dollars but it was a complete distraction and it almost destroyed the company well because because the, the i rap you know how how much uh like you have to you have to track all your time yes you have to track uh what you're doing when are you doing it mm -hmm. it's it's a program the government has to do in order not to be funding these companies for no reason but at the same time the amount of administrative work that it takes yes. to do it like good luck telling a developer hey by the way i need you to track every minute of your time mm -hmm. otherwise i'm not paying you because government isn't paying you and it's oh man bob that's I right and I love and it. if you want, I'm to, glad you're on my page. <laughs> right. And if, if you want to change direction, the big advantage small companies have over major companies is that they can change on a dime, right? Yes. You listen, yes. you pivot. Well, Fragile. no, if you've Fragile. got an IRAP contract that says you're going down this road, it's an you can't contract. move. Yeah. You can't move. You got to get their permission to move. Yeah. It's nuts. IRAP is oh not an entrepreneurial funding program. It is a funding program for bureaucrat salaries. So, oh my goodness, bang on, Bob. It is a, again, we're going to get, we're getting off track, but I think this is important, <laughs> especially for the Canadian audience. I, like it is when it, when you're giving a program, when you're doing an entire culture around the fact that the government says, I have $10 million and you have to spend it. Otherwise you guys will not have a job. What happens, it becomes the fact that they're just giving out the money to give out the money to say, look, we gave the money, right? If you look at all those government grants, I tell every startup, I'm like, that if I, if I see a startup who's going for grants and I go, I see a startup who's going for angel money, I will promise you the one with the angel money will win because they have something to prove. They're working their asses off. And they owe someone something. With the Canadian mm -hmm. uh, grants, everyone's like, it's the government. Mm -hmm. I don't owe them anything. We're good if we fail. So you become more relaxed about it. And then one thing for us was, again, and going back to your bureaucracy, it's massive. 
because <clears throat> we had a development company do our app. We got a grant for that. Okay. And you have to hire the, the agency to do it. Well, guess what? That agency screwed us. And in order to fire them, we had to ask permission to fire them. Wow. <laughs> so we were like sitting there going, they are screwing us. They doubled our cost. You're giving only 10,000. Now I got to fork up instead of five, 20,000 to finish the product. I want to fire them. I have another person giving me a um, fixed price, 15 grand, and they'll do everything. And they're like, yeah, no problem. You just have to ask them permission. Who's going to let you fire them? So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, with the, with the world of grants in Canada, I think it becomes too, too reliant. And then mm -hmm. we see it all the time with startups. They, they do the whole grant thing. They build their product. And then they're like, what's next? What's the next grant I can get to expand the product? Mm -hmm. That's another mm -hmm. year down the line. You're two years behind now. Yeah, and also they don't learn when they're talking to investors. Like you said, you know, Canadians yeah. say, oh, it's great until you ask them to put some money in. They say, no, no, I'm not yeah. going to do that. <laughs> but, but investors also will give you direction yes. uh, because they Guidance, want to oh, mentorship. Well, like yep. Yeah. yeah, but whereas governments, I mean, governments can't pick the winners. Uh, governments aren't the customers. In fact, so they literally know how to pick the losers. They're quite good correct. at that. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. So that, okay. Let's, let's get off that subject matter. Yes. Um, <laughs> we both are getting heated about government grants. I'm with you though. I agree with you, Bob, fully. What are your thoughts about what makes a successful startup? What, what have you seen that mm. makes a very, we talked about what makes a good founder um, mm -hmm. and what makes a bad founder? What makes a good startup? What is the, the thing you've seen succeed the most? The most important thing is to identify the need of the customer at the beginning or very soon. Too many technology founders are so excited about their technology. Well, it's not even the technology. It's just an idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, lo idea, I love everything you say. I swear. It looks like I hired you, Bob. I, I did. Disclosure, I did not hire Bob. Bob is an independent person. <laughs> But we've both been through it. And, yeah. you know, there's so much in common. Uh, repeat uh, over and over, rinse and repeat. I, I see that. And this is a lot of my mentorship. It's just like, like people, uh, I tell somebody uh, something, it's, you know, they look at me as kind of, it's a genius statement from Mount Olympus. It's just common sense if you've made the yeah. mistake three times before. Yeah. But you yeah, you have to understand the, comp uh, the, the, uh, the customer need uh, first. Don't just have an idea. Don't just have a technology and try to fit your idea into where you think might be a customer. Ask, ask around, listen, listen to the customers, yeah. uh, be prepared to pivot uh, and then uh, do some proof of concepts. Ask uh, customers for feedback, find that product market fit. So it's kind of funny you say that because um, every startup I talk to, okay, pay, go get 10 product advisory board. So go find 10 of the people you're about to target mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. have a conversation with them. That's a conversation. Mm -hmm. Everyone, I, you remember this from my workshop. I literally yes. said what you said, which is go talk to your customers. Because a lot of times a startup will be like, I have this idea. It's brilliant. Everyone wants it. I've had casual conversation <laughs> around it. Uh, great. Can I have 10 customers that are potential customers that are going to want to have this mm -hmm. conversation with you? That's one. Two, I would say the biggest thing is uh, they 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 don't understand software. Hmm. 
And when it comes to software is they just simply see Apple, they see Facebook and they go, yeah, easy enough. Couple of boxes here, you type it in, bada beam, bada boom, right? That's easy. I think not understanding what uh, the tech stack could look like and how it's gonna impact your your startup. I, I always tell everybody pre-seed, just before you're about to launch, you have two major problems, technical and market. Two, uh, when you get to seed, now you're hoping your market comes together and actually buys from you. And then I would say the biggest thing is uh, go to market strategy at the series A, which is where now you are actually focusing strictly on, okay, I have a market. I understand who my customers are. How do I scale this? Right. And, and I, I agree with you, uh, me and you and I have been around the block. We know a thousand ways of doing it wrong. We don't know how to do it right yet. I don't think there's a playbook for that, but I'm there isn't a playbook. And that's one of the things, uh, another things uh, entrepreneurs get wrong. And also some successful entrepreneurs uh, get wrong is that people think, well, that guy was successful last year doing it this way. Timing is everything product, but timing is everything. And well, yeah. it was that product at that time. Now it's this product at a different time. You don't just rinse and repeat. It's not the same marketing plan as last time. It's a in whole my new opi- world. In my opinion, you can never rinse and repeat, but you can do a lot of things right to put yourself in a situation to succeed. Like if you were to put it in statistics, how much do you think luck plays into startups? I'll give you my answer after you. Actually, I'll give you a beforehand so everyone thinks I'm not cheating. I think luck for founders is a major player. And I'm not taking anything away from the ones that have succeeded. I like they have to work their butts off to get to that level. But you have they the way they work their butts off is they continuously put themselves out there to get lucky. And I'll use social media as a really good example. We post five times a week for a we've been doing it for two years now two years that we've been posting nonstop five times a week just recently have we been getting lucky and getting really good viewership and people are actually like clicking on our Mm. like two years that wasn't just like overnight (laughs) exactly i would enhance what you said by giving my standard Overcomplicated analysis. <laughs> I love like, it. Oh, engineer. I call. I call it the engineer response. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, uh, there is a, a large amount of luck, and you can call it the, the vast majority is luck. But windows of opportunity mm-hmm. are opening and closing around you all the time. So imagine yes. you're here, and there's windows of opportunity circling, yes. opening and closing all the time. The difficulty is those windows of opportunity are invisible but when they are visible the frames of the wooden frames of those window uh, of opportunities are burning yeah (laughs) if you uh, touch the frame you will uh, ignite Uh, so you have to have uh, been skilled and trained and fit enough and educated enough and 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 uh, risk averse and uh, risk uh, uh, taking enough to be able to jump through one of those windows of opportunity when they appear because yeah. they will appear if you are observant enough and are trained and ready to jump through. I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie Yes Man. No, I haven't. Tell me. No. Okay, Jim Carrey. Um, All right, I love where him. where he 
I don't know what happened, but he had to say yes to everything. Actually, I, don't I did know if it was. I don't even know if it was Jim Carrey or not. It, it, it seems it like was his one kind of, of those funny guys. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he literally had to say yes, and he worked at the bank, and he said yes to every single loan. And ironically, his numbers were better than anyone else who wasn't saying it. And I say this to every entrepreneur. I'm like, you got to be a yes man. It's weird to say. Like you have to have your your you know grounds of where you're gonna say no for sure. Right. Where like family. OK, I need to put some time towards family, like blocking time. Absolutely. But opportunity where you have the availability, you should never say no to it. Like if, if it's a networking event and you have time to go, you can't say no. No excuses. Absolutely. You have to go because you never know who you're going to meet. You might meet your next investor. You might meet your next uh, CMO. You have to get out there. Uh, yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, it's not about the technology. It's about the people. And yes. you need to meet those people. And people meet, especially entrepreneurs, at networking events. In your town, meet them. If you're not in a big town, uh, then get online and go to conferences. Meet people and then arrange to meet them at conferences. Uh, yeah. it, the thing about Canada, I say all the time, is that we're such a big country <laughs> that often we meet each other. Uh, Sapper, you're in Calgary. I'm here in Vancouver, yeah. and we meet each other in Vegas or yeah. or in San Francisco or New York or in Toronto. Uh, that's where we can come together. So we need to understand that that is uh, a value and a necessity. And to be honest, that's why I think San Francisco was such a successful city at growing as a Silicon Valley. You were in the vicinity of everybody that's in software. And mm -hmm. so thus, you were incredibly lucky to constant. If you went out constantly, you would have met investors left and right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it the, the possibility to be successful is just you're constantly out there meeting people who can help you in your in your career, in your startup. Another reason why Americans have a larger network. Yeah. So what? OK, I have to go back to the Canadian thing because I'm very curious on what your <laughs> thoughts are. You know, we, we, we agree on Bitcoin. We agree on Canadians. We agree on how startups <laughs> should be. Um, you can run this podcast, Bob. Like, I don't even need to be here. <laughs> but what would you say is like, what's one thing that you believe Canada can do to kind of try to compete with the states? Because realistically, right now, we lack talent. Um, all talents gets poached. All good talents of Canadians get poached to U.S. market all the time. Right. Uh, Vancouver is a great example of Amazon and, and, and Microsoft. They, they get all the developers and then whoever is good, they're like, oh, you're good. OK, you're going to Seattle. Right. And then on the other side is the investors. They're quite conservative. They're quite, you know, very, very cautious in their moves. What are your thoughts? We have to take advantage of uh, the differences between Canada and United States and at the same time, make it less apparent that we are a different country. Yes. American investors used to say, forget it, Canada, we're not uh, not investing up here. They have the, a, the, less of that attitude just, now. Just so you know, the running joke for the states is that they want to come here and retire mm -hmm. while yeah. working because they think Canadians is so easy to work in Canada. Right. Well, on that easy to work, that's one of the advantages we have because we can bring in in technology, we can bring in technical talent. Right now, there was a, uh, last week, there was an, article in the Wall Street Journal saying Canada is poaching all the H-1B denied right. applicants yeah, because yeah. they can get in here. And we do have an active policy 
to do that. So to uh, bring in talented people from the rest of the world that can't get into the United States, that's yeah. an advantage we have for technical talent to help I us build. I agree 100% there, yep. And we can also take advantage of all this new remote working technology. Uh, like this, what we're doing right now, we never could have done it 10 years ago. And now uh, it's getting better. So we need to erase that border, make it easier and better. So the so it's like, okay, so right now we're obviously talking about different screens, but wouldn't it be uh, uh, wonderful if we could be having lunch together or having a drink together. And as far as you and I were concerned, we were in the same room. Like That's I'd right. have my beer, you'd have yep. your beer, and there'd be this amazing high definition screen in front of us. So uh, we could have the advantages of being here, have the quality of life we like here, uh, the lower cost of living, save in San Francisco at least, well, uh, in some parts, but nevertheless feeling that we're in the same place. To be frank, you move if you make American dollars and you move to Canada, it's the best life for you. Because Canadian lifestyle life is good. Like we are like in terms of family and like safety and a lot of things, it's it's way more positive than the States is. Uh, way less homelessness, like a, a lot. Um, and if you're making American dollars, you're you have extreme buying power in Canada. Like you're great. Um, but I agree with you. I think uh, I think we need to erase that border. It's going to be very hard to do because, it, again, it just a, it's a mentality thing as well. Right. When it comes to especially investors and a lot of startups like great startups, get, they get poached all the time yes. to the States because Americans are like, I don't want you in Canada. I want you here. Mm -hmm. And what do you think a startup is going to do? They do a lot of weird things for founder or for angels and VCs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, we're willing to do a lot. <laughs> yeah. If you agree to give us money, we uh, we do a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's, again, you know, we sell too early and that's why we don't have the more experienced talent that the United States does because they grow their companies a that's lot right. further before acquisition than we do. That's right. Oh, yeah. They have way more turnover. Um, what uh, would you say... Um, by the way, I, I think the stat on the turnover is a, when an investor invests their money in an American company, their cycle is three years. So they are mm. technically going to get rid of return within three years. Canada is nine years. Mm. So an American investor has returned his capital three times before a Canadian gets it once. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell every startup too, by the way. Every startup goes... Oh, we're going to be a million dollar company within year two. I'm like, first of all, if you were, I would get my money back a lot faster. <laughs> and statistics shows me that if you don't die, it would take me nine years to get my money back from you. Right. So that's always one way to also tell startups to kind of calm down on their financials. Um, what is the number one advice you'd give any startup who's about or any founder who's about to start on their venture? Um, whether it be personal advice, whether it be business advice, what's the one advice you would give? Be prepared to make a lot of mistakes. Okay. Um, don't I'll dwell on your mistakes. Yeah, you'll make a lot of mistakes. You'll hear a lot of no's. Uh, but like Wayne Gretzky said, uh, you miss every shot you don't take. take. Uh, shoot, so, shoot your shot is what they do. The kids say these days. <laughs> uh, very good. It's because it's you're going to have at least nine investors tell you no. Yeah. But each time they tell you no, you're getting closer to a yes. Same too with customers. And customers try to learn from those no's. Try to learn, maybe maybe you need to 
pivot, but always be learning. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I am a big believer in always be learning. Awesome. Any other advice you have? What about business? That's a good one for personal, but what do you have for business? Do get up, get a product advisory board is your business. Mm. <laughs> Talk yes, to your yeah, customers. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Actually, this might seem like I'm going back to my legal days, but have proper <laughs> get the contracts. governance. Yes, get things in writing, proper corporate governance. Uh, you know, an actual board of directors that you have to report to, even though it's your company and you yeah. appoint those directors, have real directors. Yeah. Make you are a real company, act like a real company, hire a lawyer, paper everything, uh, because uh, and especially if you have a partner, it, especially it, if you have a partner. It, oh, you have to have a partnership agreement with them. Yeah. Uh, because it's not, yes, if it all blows up, you have an agreement that you can. Uh, comply lean with so you don't have to yeah. the other guy you can lean on but it's really the concept of good fences make good neighbors yeah down the road two or three years people forget what they agreed up front and you go yeah. back to the paper oh that's what i agreed okay great yeah yeah yeah, yeah i agree with that and we actually had a, a a lawyer um a junior lawyer but he's amazing he's from ontario we had him on the podcast and and uh that's exactly what he said he said compliance is one of the one things that every startup is missing no one does it <laughs> And there's so much to comply with. I mean, there's privacy, there's cybersecurity yeah. rules. The, the rules are, are, are constant. And yeah. if you don't uh, start early to catch up with your tech debt or uh, compliance, you're going to feel the pain when That's somebody right. wants to acquire you. That's right. I agree with that. Bob, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. Um, I, you brought immense value. I know you and I kind of went on a, more of a angry rants than we did actually but you know what we need to express our free feature uh, or uh, frustrations because i think at the end of the day most startups have that exact same frustrations and i think it's important for them to know where they need to focus their time and effort rather than you know this is how it is that's what i've been told to do right and to your point yeah. we're here to give them as much information as possible and then they they make the call they're the ones that get the big bucks at the end of the day Indeed. And I look forward to having that beer in person and not yes. virtually with you. Vancouver. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. We're going to be, I'm going to be there late August. So I'll definitely be reaching out to you and we'll definitely go for drinks. Wonderful. Look forward awesome. to it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bob. And thank you everybody back at home for listening in on the Founders Corner. And uh, if you know anyone that you believe can take some value, probably a Canadian, please do share with them because that's what we're here for to help founders become better founders every single day. Um, if you like our video, like, subscribe. Until next time, Cordor out.